Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. All right, everybody, I got another great show for you this week, and it's part two of my co-host tryouts. I'm looking for somebody to fill the seat next to me, vacated by Chef Joe Scully, probably somewhere around eight to ten years ago. I've been doing when I do a podcast. I don't always do it. I took a a year or so off, but when I do, I haven't had a co-host in all that time. I've had some friends come and go sort of cycle through and that's been fun but uh nobody who's been able to commit to being my weekly co-host that i think would be great at it the thing about me and joe scully is that we had some pretty good chemistry on the air i have to say like joe was funny and he didn't mind giving me a hard time which uh made me sort of loosen up myself and be more funny and give him a hard time and it just turned into this kind of comedy routine about food that was pretty amusing i i enjoyed it and i know a lot of other people did too people would comment to me oh you and joe have chemistry on the air and uh chemistry is one of those things that doesn't always happen and so i'm kind of looking for that looking for the magic man uh not the magic man that can be a man woman other whatever uh just somebody that can talk about food can be funny and uh not uh boring and make me i need somebody that makes me look like the weakest link that's what i need is somebody who's smarter about food than me smarter about everything than me except for maybe a little bit dorky so i can make fun of them that's kind of what i'm looking for uh anyways but this week it's chef tom lafauci and chef tom and i have known each other for years and we see each other all the time because i bring my food tours into his restaurant twisted laurel in downtown Asheville, which by the way is much different than the one in weaverville even though they are owned by the same company and they do share a couple of dishes but the one in Asheville is more in keeping with what's going on in downtown Asheville in culinary sense um so Chef Tom is our is our uh, my part two tryout for my co-host, and we'll see how he does. I already know because I'm recording this little bit after I talk to him, and um, between me and you, he did great. And so we're going to have that segment coming right up, and then I'll just check in at the end of the show to say goodbye. All right, everybody, I'm back here in the studio, and I have another one of my special guests, and this time my special guest is even more special. Well, special on so many levels. Let me just tell everybody how much I love this guy. This is Chef Tom LaFauci from Twisted Laurel Asheville, and he's been on the show before as a guest, but man, I got to get out of the you're my guest frame of mind, Tom, because I'm hoping you'll be my co-host, and you're essentially auditioning to be my co-host. How are you, Chef Tom LaFauci? 
I'm good, man. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me on. Sure, man. And and hopefully in the future, you won't have to thank me for having you on because you'll just be on all the time. Yeah, I that 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 that'll be a lot of fun if we could pull that off. We could. My my major concern, Tom. This is the first time I'm bringing it up. Is right in front of the world and everybody. Is your time? You don't have. You seem busy as f, man. How are you going to have time <laughs> to do a podcast? I mean, I mean, I have time. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have time. I, I mean, well, I mean, you you see, what you see is is a very limited sort of slice of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, we run a, a very busy restaurant downtown Asheville. Um, you know, but there's, there's time, you know, I, there's always time to, to be able to talk. There's always time to get on things like this. There's always, and it actually is almost kind of a personal challenge for me to be able to kind of organize myself a little better. I'm always trying to figure out ways to kind of stay ahead of the game and keep myself organized and be thinking about things. So, you know, if, if I can organize myself where I can have an hour with you a week, that would be awesome too. So, All right. and, and, All right, and you know, to, to get myself out of the kitchen and not be over a cutting board the whole time, you know, helps me kind of see the world a little better. All right, Tom, I will point out that as you started to tell me that you had time, your voice went up about three octaves. You were like, I have time. (laughs) I have time. I got plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. That's a, that's a little telling, but I hope that you do have time. I have faith in you. You're very excellent Lord at organizing your time. So I'm hoping this will work out. And speaking of the restaurant, Tom, how are things down there at Twisted Laurel? It's the holiday season. What's what's the vibe down there at, at Twisted? You know, it, it definitely is the holiday season. Uh, we're, you know, we we have have had a little bit of a lull since Thanksgiving. I think that's kind of been typical with Asheville in general uh, from mm-hmm. everybody I've been talking to. Um, but we're getting ready. I mean, we're getting we're getting wound up here for these last three weeks of the year. Um, I mean, as you know, you've been in this town long enough. You know that that week between. Christmas and New Year's is always going to be is always going to be crazy. Excuse me. So we're getting ready for that. Uh, this will be the first time in a very long time that I'm actually going to have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off, um, just because of the way the schedule works. You know, we're at Twist Laurel downtown Asheville. We're closed on Sundays and Mondays, and this year the 24th is a Sunday and the 25th is a Monday. Wow, um, that's that's cherry, man. I was actually going to ask you about that about working on the holidays and. I, I know a lot of the restaurant industry works on the holidays. I was just talking to the pizza maker at Bargello yesterday. He's a really nice guy named Sid, and he told me he had to work on Thanksgiving. And I was like, was that was that okay? And he was like, no, I miss my family. And so, you know, it's, I know you guys have to a lot of times work the holidays. So I'm glad I you mean, did it's, Christmas. It's part of the game. I mean, it's a, we, we are in the service industry. We are in the service of our guests uh, and if our guests want to join us or if guests want to join us, you know, we want to, we want to be able to be there for them. Yeah. It, it's a very, del- it's a very delicate balance. You know, we want to make sure that we're taking care of all the guests that we can, but we also want to make sure we're taking care of our, our staff and our crews, you know, they've yeah. got families too. Uh, so like I said, yeah, I mean like mo- more, just about the majority of my 30 years in this business, you know, it's you're, you're, I, I typically always had Christmas day off. Um, I have worked a couple of, of Thanksgivings, um, but yeah, you, usually the you know the twenty fourth and the twenty fourth. I assume I'm working. I assume I'm working until I'm not. There you go. So, well, we the us on the other side of the table, Tom, the eaters of the world. We sure do mf and appreciate you guys in the food industry for being there for us. And 
I know different restaurants have different policies and stuff about what what holidays they're open. But I'm glad that it just so happens that this year, well, Santa Santa brought you a gift, Tom. He brought you two days off in a row at Christmas. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that's really all I need. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so well, Tom, it'll be it'll be nice to be home with the kids and and more eat. So yeah, and, and your kids are getting older, so they probably start uh fly the coop in a few years and so you want to spend as many holidays together as you can although hopefully they'll come home for the holidays my my both my nephews are going to be in town for the holidays tom oh yeah it's fun so santa brought you two days off does that mean you were nice all year tom or have you been naughty have you been nice what's what's your self-assessment at the end of the year let's let's grade ourselves so let's self-assess yeah self-assess okay um you know, I I think I've been pretty nice. You know, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure that did I did my voice go up a, a little bit again? Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, yeah, I think I've been nice this year. I think I have. You know, it's yeah. you know, I just you know, there's, there's times when you there's times when the opportunity arises that sometimes yeah, you do you can be naughty every once in a while. Um, yeah. but for the most part, I, you know. I, for the most part, I think it's been a, it's been a nice year. So, yeah, I think that professionally, at least, you don't have a lot of wiggle room to be too naughty, or the train will come off the tracks. Um, and in in our home lives, man, we we better be nice. I mean, we're both married, so yeah. If if you're not nice, out the house you go. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah, and you and you know my and you know my wife too. So yeah, I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it middle of the fairway. Dude, you've never I don't know if you've ever met Don. Have you met Don? My wife? Hey. Yeah, you you and Don came oh, in for your birthday. We eat at Twisted Laurel. Duh. Um, yeah, well, I know I know Maureen, you know Don. We are both being as nice as possible at all times, Tom. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. And uh apart from the little bit of respite from work, what else are you hoping that Santa Claus is gonna bring you this year, Tom? Do you have a list of like I want a knife, I want a spatula? I'm like, usually I'm I'm usually pretty, I, I use my wife and my kids always ask me what I want for like my birthday or, th- or Christmas or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want anything. You know, it's just, it's my, my gift. And my, it's funny. My father asked me that. What do you want for your, what do you want for Christmas? And I go, peace and five is a great, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like just, a typical dad. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want, you know, what I want is, you know, I've got my dad, you know, 76 years old. He's actually going in for surgery on the 22nd. Okay. Um, so I want him to be, you know what I want? I want for him to be comfortable when he gets out of surgery and for everything to go well. There you um, go. Yeah. That, that nothing material could ever trump that. I want my dad to be, I want my dad to be safe. I want my dad to be healthy. I want my dad to be around for a lot longer. So, yeah, well, there you go. Tom, like that doesn't get much better than that. And that was a very typical Tom LaFauci answer, ladies and gentlemen of the audience. I ask him what he wants for Christmas, and it's not about him. It's about somebody else's dad in this case. And for me, for Christmas, I, I just straight up, Tom, I want food. That's what I want, food. <laughs> I want your dad to be comfortable after <laughs> surgery. I want my mom to be – my mom's uh, 82 now. I think she's 82 still. Um, and I want her to, of course, be like Dynamo, you know, chopping wood in the backyard or whatever. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, no, like when it comes to what Santa can put in my stocking, 
a, a can of peanuts would be welcome. Uh, I traditionally in my stocking, Don will somehow shove a whole can of uh, Cafe Du Monde French roast coffee, which I, I drink Cafe Du Monde at home, I, I confess. Um, but I usually stick to the regular. So at Christmas, I get some French roast, Tom. Yeah. And, Ooh la la. Uh, yeah, totally. And, oh, <laughs> I didn't know you spoke French. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't, but I heard it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what else? Other, I love, she always throws fruit in my stocking. I, you know, I'm not well known for eating fresh fruit, but once a year I get like a pomegranate. And, well, it, uh, it's funny you say that. Maureen's, Maureen's mom used to do that. Maureen is the youngest of nine. Irish Catholic from, do you not know that? I did. Anyway. As soon as I, I had a shocked look on my face, but then I realized actually you just told me that last week. Yeah. Yeah. Youngest of nine Irish Catholic from Chicago. She was the only one that wasn't born in Chicago. Uh, but every year that's, they would get an orange. Because an orange. <laughs> things in their stocking. So yeah. yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Fruit. That's, I guess that's a, that's a tradition. A lot of people have had for a while now. Yeah. I think that goes way back to like, when fruit was kind of hard to come by in Northern Europe and uh, New England and stuff like that, it was real special to get a piece of fruit yeah. at Christmas time. And uh, we, of course, give, I, I am accepting gifts of candy and chocolate, Tom, if you are in a gift giving mood yourself. And okay. uh, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> thanks, brother. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so any kind of food for me, gift certificates for food. I give people like gift certificates to restaurants and stuff like that. When I uh, I give my sister, I don't I don't know if you've ever met my sister, but she's very austere in comparison to me. Like she's she's more like you, Tom. She's very self sacrificing. She's a really good person. She's not the selfish pos that I am, but. Uh, the reason I bring her up is because now I forget now that I got all absorbed in how what a piece of trash I am a greedy <laughs> selfish just give me all the food Tom I don't know why I brought my sister up I had something nice to say about her now I can't remember oh well maybe I'll think of it later in the show but uh Tom do you have any favorite holiday foods that you only eat at the holidays that you look forward to every year uh not really I mean you know you know, working in restaurants forever, you, you have a lot of just available at your fingertips. So, you know, just, you know, sometimes just a good home cooked meal is, is something that, that I look forward to, you know, mm -hmm. not eating something out of, you know, that's made in a restaurant or made by somebody else. Um, you know, my family, my, my, my brother and my sister in New Jersey still do the seven fishes every Christmas Eve. Um, and they, we were just talking about it last week. Uh, yeah, they're, they're starting to plan and get that all together. And when I say seven fishes, I mean, you know, it's calamari salad, it's roast salmon, it's shrimp and rice. It's, you know, it's it's a ton of food, and I actually miss I actually miss be, being able to do that. We do, you know, we do we do the feast of the one fishes. We usually do shrimp scampi on <laughs> Christmas Eve at our house. That's um, great. Um, you know, the Feast of the Seven Fishes not only a lot of food, but so expensive these days, man. We sure. We do a small version. Dawn makes a killer chipino, and so she makes yep. a chipino with a lot of fish in it, and then whatever we need to do to make up for the other, like to make sure we have seven, like we'll do some shrimp cocktail or whatever. Um, but yeah, it the the grocery bill from the Mother Ocean Seafood Market, woo man, like that ain't cheap, but it's a big splurge that we do once a year. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 just like everything nowadays. We we. You know everything. Everything's getting more expensive, so to be able to have that 
to have those ingredients available and have that that time with your family is something pretty special. Yeah, and of course, uh, you're doing a lot of Italian traditional stuff, which uh, here in the states, that's like traditional, and a lot of families to do like half like American or Northern European style, and then half Italian American style. So a big plate of lasagna is pretty typical on our table because I, I I think I told you that Don's family is half Italian. Yep. So, and they actually owned an Italian restaurant. And so while Dawn herself does not have any Italian heritage, she inherited a lot of recipes and she's very okay. good at making them. Yeah. Uh, and her bro- she'll get her brother on the horn and he, he was a guy who ran the restaurant for so many years and they'll make a sauce together and he's up in Michigan and stuff. And the house smells great. And then we have like <laughs> roast beef and all of that traditional new england stuff uh so i'm i'm super looking forward to it i'm already putting on a few christmas pounds tom i put them on i put them on quickly i'm only i'm only four feet tall so when i and you're you're tiny so yeah any small change is a lot yeah so but whatever i'm jolly in the in the winter time tom i i become (laughs) 10 percent more jolly in the winter um so speaking of food traditions man a friend of mine shared something on my facebook page my friend cindy shout out to cindy chapey up there in michigan she's always sharing crazy stuff on my facebook food uh, timeline and she shared an uh, english tradition an old british tradition with me called snapdragon sometimes it's called flapdragon and tom we talked about it a little bit before the show it's pretty crazy let me just read a little bit from the wikipedia page uh snapdragon was a popular game a parlor game popular in the 1700s it was played during the winter particularly on christmas eve brandy was placed was heated and placed in a wide shallow bowl raisins were placed in the brandy uh i learned you could also substitute dates or even almonds or any other food you might want to wait for it light on fire um and then uh (laughs) Uh, the raisins were placed in, and then the brandy was set on fire. So a flaming bowl of brandy and raisins. And then you turn out the lights. I would imagine the 1700s, you extinguish the other open you're, you're, flames. You're blowing out the candles. Yeah. yeah, you're extinguishing the other open flames in your wooden house. And uh, <laughs> and and then the, the game, and Tom, it's a game for children, keep in mind. The kids game, of course, yeah. Of course. What 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 other demographic would be targeted by a flaming raisin game? But the the trick is to reach into the bowl of flaming raisins as quickly as you can and pop one of these blue light they they burn blue these blue raisins into your mouth and extinguish the flames with your mouth. And the idea is that you would for moments the for a moment you would look like a dragon. What do you think of that, Tom? <laughs> You doing you introducing this one to your house? No. <laughs> your no, kids, I'm not. Your kids are too old for Snapdragon. Yeah, well, yeah, and they're also <laughs> I love them to death, but they're also, you know, slightly spastic. Oh. So yeah, we could, you know, one of my kids could reach in and be grabbing for, you know, a uh, a, a a lit on fire raisin and miss their mouth and set the you know, the wall on fire, and that's what I don't want. I'm Tom, I am sure that the reason we do not play this game today has something to do with the very scenario that you have described might happen. Oh, I'm sure house. there's I, I guarantee I guarantee Stu, there's someone playing this game on Christmas Eve. I guarantee oh, there's going to 
now that it's on Wikipedia, now that I've said it out loud on the radio, and now that like it's being shared on Facebook, I mean, I'm tempted to play myself. You know, the only thing, <laughs> the only thing I would object to is it seems like a waste of perfectly good brandy. But uh, maybe I could just l light it on fire with some other method. Uh, well, believe me, if you don't, if you don't want that brandy, I, I'll I'll use it for something else. That'll be fun. <laughs> well, I won't be drinking it, but I think that Don would be like, "Did you just light all my brandy on fire? <laughs> Where'd my brandy go?" Yeah, I was about to make something. Um, all right, Tom. Well, I I don't know if we should. Uh, maybe I should eliminate this whole part of the show so that we don't give any children any ideas about drinking brandy or kids, lighting it kids, on fire kids nowadays are going to find out whether we tell them or not to so that's right man i think that snapdragon be the safest thing the kids could get into these days compared to what's out there in our crazy world tom if that's the only thing they're getting into i think we'll be okay now i this game of snapdragon of course makes me think of all manner of dangerous games out there in the world and I, I would think probably the world's most famous dangerous game was jarts. Did you ever play jarts when you were a kid? I did play jarts. It's it's amazing to think of the things that when when I was a kid that are just not even anywhere near would would never fly today. Oh. Are you kidding me? We had like these chemistry sets and stuff where we're putting like plastic things in the oven to melt them into shapes and whatnot, you know, like, yeah. And jarts, we had jarts too. And we loved it, man. I, my, my cousin might still have the family jarts set, but um, I don't think jarts itself was dangerous. What I think was dangerous was the natural tendency of children to have a jarts war. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's fun to throw the jarts in the plastic circle, but it'd be a super more fun to throw them at you, little it, brother. Run, yeah, ab absolutely, because yeah, it, it's you're, you're throwing like metal, metal like pointed objects at people. Heavy metal and, spikes that were actually medieval weapons at one time. Like they made giant darts just like that. <laughs> yeah, they throw them really high in the sky, and then they're weighted, so they come down spiky in the dang head. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I wish I saw a set of jarts at the antique mall on Lexington Ave. Really? I did. And it was only 50 bucks. And I thought, oh, I almost dropped an F-bomb. I thought, I, holy smokes, I really want to buy this jart set. And I said, I, I'm temp so tempted, so tempted. I'll tell you what, next time I come back, if it's there, it's mine. And th thankfully, it was not there the next time I went back. Because... Somebody picked it up. Oh, hell yeah. I would imagine <laughs> that they could ask a lot more than 50 bucks for a, a set of jarts in workable condition because they are legendary as like the most dangerous toy. Yeah. Now, these days, it's like all the toys have so many tiny little parts and pieces. I can't imagine how. Well, I mean, the kids I'm not. Be... I'm not sure what's worse, you know, choking hazard or like impaling someone with a with a, <laughs> with with a metal jar. spear. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Dawn's family had jarts too, and she talks about how she loved to throw them at the aluminum siding on the house. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I know it's fantastic. Her parents <laughs> loved that. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, speaking of things that we love, well, let's take a little break and we'll listen to just a tiny bit of uh, my theme song. And Tom, as a potential new co-host, you should know that my theme song is called Cheese Wagon. It's appropriate. It is uh, in its entirety. It's only 30 seconds long. It's an instrumental and it's a 
it's a song by a punk rock band called the Dorita Sisters, and it is a parody of heavy metal. So there you go. There's the history of my little theme song. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we're going to do a little segment that I like to call messages from the eaters. I couldn't think of a better name, Tom. Maybe maybe one of your duties as co-host will be to help me think of better names. You want me to name the segments? I can do that. Okay. All right, Tom. We'll be right back, everybody. All right. We're back. I'm here in the studio with Chef Tom LaFauci from Twisted Laurel. He's here to audition. He's he's in the kitchen. He's trying to like really sell the fact that he's a chef. <laughs> if I haven't proven that to you by now, then what are we doing? He's not just a <laughs> chef. He's my form. He's one of my chef of the year winners. One of my restaurant of the year winners. Won two of my burger of the year awards, and also I made up an award just to hand to this guy my best hunks of meat in Asheville award. This guy can really. I, I, I still don't get why you did that. Oh, because man, I was so grateful that you introduced large hunks of meat to downtown Asheville. Um, the, you might think that we're in the barbecue capital of North Carolina or whatever. I don't know, but you might think that I'd be able to find meat everywhere, but in downtown. It was a little tough to just find a steak or, you know, just some chunks of meat. I just wanted chunks of meat, Tom, and you came along and you added them to the Twisted Laurel menu and you do at, them really, really good. At that time in history, why do you think that was? Was it just kind of the the way people were approaching dining? Was it, I mean, where, where do you think that was coming from? That's an interesting question. I think it was maybe that the pendulum had swung real hard, hard towards tapas, so people weren't offering large hunks of anything really it was all smaller plates <clears throat> and people weren't like the eaters and the restaurants didn't seem as interested in entrees and i'm talking sort of about restaurant culture downtown yeah not, not on a wide nationwide scale or anything but i think that it was swinging hard towards small shareable plates i think it was swinging hard towards international cuisine so not as many big chunks of meat um and that people for a while were looking for complexity rather than simplicity and that now and for me the pendulum's always i'm always my pendulum's always a little bit ahead of the rest of the world right like because i eat so much uh, i eat out so much um and so i'm always experiencing things a few months before other people and stuff like that but i then i saw myself kind of swinging hard in the other direction i just wanted an entree all to myself you didn't want to share a plate of tiny little things anymore. I just wanted like a, a large piece of something and two accoutrements on the side, you know, like meat plus two is good with me. Meat and three is fine. It's great. You know, some people do mm -hmm. meat and four. <laughs> like, yeah, keep it coming. Uh, meat and <laughs> 15. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, th thanks for asking, Tom. Like, uh, this is. You're such a great co-host already. You're you're asking me questions instead of just falling into the interviewee. Uh, well, box. I mean, I mean, talking about that, I said I, I don't under, and I'm I'm getting off topic. Just let me know. I just I, I, I don't know. I, I like I said I've been in the rest. I've been in restaurants this summer's third. This past summer's thirty years. I've been in restaurants, and I've seen a lot of things come and go. I just, I, I you know, you you, you see people. It's just it's trends, right? And it, it's what what guests want, and it's trying to see, and it's always trying to figure out because I'm always trying to figure out what guests want. You know, I'm always looking at different things. 
I'll be I'll be 100 percent honest with you. I'm always looking at restaurants in like New York City, Philadelphia, you know, really big metropolitan areas. That usually those are the folks that are kind of they're kind of set the tone and kind of lead where where food in this country is going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always looking at that, and it, it, it was just a question I had. I was just curious to because I I mean I, I came in. I mean, I I didn't start here until August of nineteen downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked I worked in Asheville for a couple of years before that, but I never really, never really had to kind of key into what what guests downtown want. So to be able to, to be able to to understand that and kind of see where it went, it's it was it's interesting. It's, it's interesting that that me putting you know a, a twelve ounce steak on the menu with just a side item was such a revolutionary breakthrough. It seems <laughs> you know what I mean. It just seems so. It's not. I don't know what the right word is for it, but it just, it just seems like so, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Well, that's part of it, Tom, is that I think people were using too much of their brains. Like, they really do. They were overthinking some of it. I I shouldn't say that, because I enjoyed all of that fancy food tremendously, and I still do. But I do think that as a zeitgeist, people were overthinking it a little bit, and they weren't really appreciating and the eaters too weren't really appreciating the the pleasure of just a plate of food in front of you that you don't have to share with anybody that has a big piece of something you really love, and mm-hmm. then like a couple of things that go great with it, you know. And and I'm sure the pendulum is going to swing in the other direction in a couple of years, and people are going to start wanting some more fancy pieces, and that's fine too. I'll probably be right there with them, so um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's. That's what's up with that. Give me some hunks of meat, Tom. You're the best. I, I retired the award shortly thereafter. <laughs> yeah, gave it to you. How do you, how do you retire show. something? How do you retire something you only do once? How do you retire that? Well, I have a very loose grasp on uh, reality, I guess. And I just like for things to be very, very fluid. So I do retire some of my awards. I retired my best pizza award after giving it to Manicomio twice. I had given it to other people in previous years, but then Manicomio opened, boom, right out of the gate, best pizza in town. Next year, I focused in on one particular pie, which is their smoky artichoke and fresh tomato pie. And then I was just like, I don't think anybody's going to beat them next year. So I retired the award. But then... Asheville Pizza South came out like a bat out of hell and they're doing a great job. So last year I brought the award back and they got my award. So that award went away and came back. Maybe best hunks of meat will come back someday, Tom, and you'll have to defend your belt. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Yeah. I'm too busy defending my belt right now. So yeah. Um, All right, buddy. Let's talk about messages from the eaters because I got a doozy. And I read it to you pre-show, and I'm going to read it out loud now. And just for the audience, the name of the venue has been redacted. Um, All right, so I get a note. Hey, Stu, I saw you at, name redacted, a while back. I work there. I just want to let you know about some malpractice they are doing that could hurt people. For one, they don't clean their equipment. They don't clean their equipment every 24 hours. They have let it sit for three days, counting today so far. They have wanted me to use moldy cheese. Uh, This person included some pictures. Pictures were not that uh, appetizing, let me tell you that. Uh, Those are some pics of the shoddy work. They have no pride there, and they are serving people trash. Hi, Tom. The reason I wanted to do this one, I wouldn't 
be doing this one if you weren't here because uh, I get these kinds of notes every once in a while where somebody who either works somewhere or used to work somewhere or at least says this, you know, I don't have any proof of any of this. Uh, they will write me a note about their former employer or just write me a note about a restaurant and say, think, I think you should know that they don't wash their dishes properly or they got mold under their toenails or whatever. So this person sends me this letter. I did not respond to the person uh, and I did not call out this restaurant. Well, which is what I think they wanted me to do. Like, I'm not sure what to do with this information. So I thought that I would, and what I have decided to do with this information, apart from talk about it on this show, is to ignore it, right? And to just go about my business as usual. Uh, and so, Tom, I just wanted to bring you in on this uh, particular letter uh, message from the eaters about this particular topic because you work in a kitchen. And if you, if I received a letter like this about a restaurant that you worked in, how would you react if, if I showed you the letter? And, and I just want to make it super clear to everybody that this letter is not about Twisted Laurel downtown Asheville at all, not even close. Uh, and I have never. Well, that, that was the, that was the first thing I asked you when you were telling me before we started. I was like, uh, "Is that about, is that about that about my restaurant?" <laughs> I think uh, I said it. I think I said it pretty fanatically too. I was like, "Is that about my restaurant?" No, it's not, Tom. You you run a clean ship, uh, but you never know who's going to make up lies or whatever. So. Uh, and that's part of why I wanted to talk to you about it, because you don't know if it's trustworthy or I don't know how trustworthy these notes are. But uh, so why don't you give me your thoughts? What, what's your first gut reaction upon hearing this the first time I read it to you before the show? Uh, I, I think, wow, it jumped into my mind right away. Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, at least to me, it's, it, it comes down to standards, man. Um, you know, as, as hard as it is sometimes and to, to keep standards, standards are something that we, that kind of have to govern us. Um, you know, it's okay. I'm just speaking strictly from an operator standpoint now, like it's, it's okay to have multi cheese. You just can't serve it. <laughs> you know, it, okay. it's okay to have dirty equipment. You just got to clean it. Right. And you got to clean it when you're done with it. Like, you can't let it sit. Um, it's, it's. So, I what mean, I'm hearing you say is that cheese goes moldy and equipment gets dirty. Yeah. Just don't serve the moldy cheese and clean the dirty equipment. Clean your effing equipment. Clean yeah. your stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, you know, you, you know, the one, you know, <laughs> Everybody, th you know, when you think about being a chef, it's all about, you know, the creativity and all this great, great ingredients and doing all these great things and, and have the great experience we give to the guests. But you know what? There's there's another side to that. To be able to do that, honestly, and honestly, that's kind of almost secondary to me nowadays, you know, mm -hmm. because with the Internet and everybody's got a camera in their pocket, literally, <laughs> everybody's got a cell phone, everybody's got a camera in their pocket. This um, person sent me pictures, like yeah. sent me pictures of the moldy yeah. cheese and the dirty equipment. Everybody's got a camera and a and a video recorder in their pocket now, mm -hmm. you know. So and you know if if you're running any kind of 
any kind of a busy operation, whoever's running that can't be in 14 places at once. Right. You know, so it's around the corner. Someone might be taking a picture of something and, and sending it to Stu Helm or putting it on Facebook or putting mm-hmm. it on Instagram and just, and just destroy and just, and look, trying to harm, they think they're informing, you know, they think they're informing people, but, and they are, but number one, if you have a situation like this, I, I, I'm, take care of it, <laughs> take care of it, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, you're, if you get chirped out about your food costs, that's fine. Don't mm-hmm. order as much, utilize it better. You know, learn, take it as a learning experience, you know, and it's, it, it's okay. It's okay to, it's okay for cheese to go bad. It's okay. It's going to happen. You know, it's not, it's not plastic. It's not, it's, it's not eternal. It's right. going to go bad. It's okay. I have, I, you know, I've food gone bad in my restaurant. Guess now, what? We don't serve it. We throw it out. Sure. Now, let me just ask you about that. So, well, you, you order yourself a 25-pound block of cheese, you're a small restaurant, you're struggling. Uh, the outside of this block gets a little bit of mold on it. Mm, who's it going to kill to trim that mold off, serve that cheese anyways? I trim mold off at the end of my cheese at home. I learned that the mold follicles don't go all the way into the cheese, unlike bread, which gets invaded by mold, and you should never trim mold off of bread and eat the quote-unquote good bread, but... I read online that that is okay to do with cheese. Is it not okay to do with cheese in a restaurant? Just asking as a consumer. If I'm serving it to 300 strangers, mm-hmm. not I'm not okay. going to take that chance. Not okay. Take the loss. Take the monetary loss. It's, it's I mean, end of the day, it's, it's 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Okay. It's not hundreds of thousand dollars a lawsuit or lawsuits or, you know, or shutting down your business because the health department came in and saw and <laughs> got 20 complaints because people went there and ate. Right. It's not worth it. Right. Like right. I get it. And especially, and, and honestly, Asheville's, Asheville's kind of a town. There's, we're not really a consistently busy town. You know, we're busy for about eight months a year. Right. Those other four months. And, and, those, and th- that four months of sort of slower business is not one big chunk of business. It's not being right. one, one four month chunk. It's, a week or two here and a week or two here. So you're always playing that game. You so know, it's hard to all... gauge your food in like what you're going to order has to match what you're going to sell, or you're going to yeah. end up with 25 pound block of moldy cheese. Yeah. Um, and, and if you do, Oh, well, a couple of weeks from now, you'd be slammed with business and you make up that $50 loss. Yeah. You, you make it up. And okay. You, let, you... Let, let me ask you this though, Tom, what, would you, as a chef and a restaurateur, what would you like for somebody like me to do with this information? I certainly didn't go to the business owner with this information because, for one thing, according to this letter, this general, this person still works there. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to get them fired, you know, as a whistleblower, you know. So uh, what I did was nothing until you and I started talking about it. But since I'm not naming the venue, that amounts to nothing, too. So what would you want me to do with this information if this was written about you? And let's try two different scenarios. First scenario, it's written about you and it's true. Second scenario, it's written about you and it's lies. And you know, because you know your kitchen. If someone sent, if someone were to send you information like that, I would hope 
and, and, and I think it's a little bit of a loaded question because you and I have a, I, th- I think we have a pretty open relationship. We have a different, we have a different relationship than I do with this venue. I don't know these folks personally at all. All right. So let's, let's use that. If, if, if someone sent you this information, A, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it out on social media, but I, I damn sure would expect you to pull me aside and be like, Hey man, if it was you, I'd show you immediately, immediately. Yeah. Cause you're my friend. So should I treat yeah. every restaurateur like my friend? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, Okay. yeah. I mean, I, if, let's put it this way. If, if, if someone on my staff has a problem or has issues, I want to know about it. So, and, and, and I tell, I tell, I tell my staff all the time, you know, and it's, and to be honest with you, it's usually when, staff come to me and they're disgruntled and this, or, and you know, this person's not doing this or this is happening and this isn't getting done. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, the first thing I say is thank you for telling me mm-hmm. because if I don't know about it and I'm most, I should, you know, hell for as much time as I'm in the restaurant, I should know, you know, everybody's resting heart rate should be by now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I do. You know, um, if, if something's going wrong that I don't have my eye on, Thank, thank you for telling me. Because the okay. only way I can address it is knowing about it. If I don't right. know about it, I can't, I can't tackle it. So yeah, I mean, I would pull person aside and I would be like, "Hey, man, perfect example. This is probably so. My birthday is right around. My birthday is January second. So and my wife's is January sixth. Uh, so we're get going. We're about to be twenty four. So this is three years ago. So it's right at right at 2020 into 2021 uh we went out to dinner uh at a a local restaurant and i I went we went out and you know we had dinner and everything was great and the next next morning i i had symptoms of food poisoning Mm. um and i happened to know the chef Mm. (laughs) so i called him up and i was like hey man i'm not going to do anything but i'm calling you directly just to let you know that this is happening so that he so that that chef could address it. Right. Um, and that that was some firsthand experience. Now, put yourself in my shoes for a minute, and, and I've received this letter from an individual with a name and a job at this restaurant or at this venue. And um, so how can I tell the venue owner without exposing the whistleblower? Because ostensibly the whistleblower is perhaps doing the right thing if they already tried talking to their boss about it. If they haven't talked to their boss about it, then they shouldn't be talking to me about it. Uh, But let's say they, I mean, how do I, what do I do? I guess, Tom, I'm a good enough writer that I can write to these guys and and not out the individual and just say, I I heard from somebody and I want you to know that they told, and I'll, I won't show them the pictures because then that would definitely tell them it was an employee. Um, all right. Well, I'm glad I brought it up because the simple answer turned out to be when you said, would I tell you? And I would, I would tell you right away. Um, but I would perhaps have the same dilemma that I don't know who in your kitchen would do that. But I guess my feelings on that would probably be like, well, I don't care who it is because, uh, that's not the kind of, uh, what a snitch you need in your kitchen. You know, you, I trust you as a chef to run a clean kitchen. So if some equipment was dirty in the moment, 
and the person took the picture right before it got cleaned or whatever. Like I, I would want that person to talk to you. So I don't know. Delicate situation for me. I've been put in that position in the past where people have wanted to out practices, whether they're clean kitchens or toxic and work environments. And I, unless I have firsthand experience with something, I can't report to the public on it at all. Uh, and I'm, I'm disinclined to get involved for the most part because it doesn't involve me. Uh, but yeah, I think the way I'll handle this is I think from now on I'll handle it as if it's just a good friend of mine instead of just a restaurant owner that I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, it's knowledge is power. I know it's an old saying and, but if, if you don't know, and I, I tell if I don't know, I can't address it. Yeah. So yeah. And, and and sometimes you know, sometimes sometimes you got to eat crow. So <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to sometimes you got to eat a. I don't know how much can I curse on this on this podcast? You cannot throw swear words at all, Tom. We go out on public radio, so okay. I mean, if it was just for podcasts, so let's talk on TikTok sometime. I swear, like a sailor <laughs> on TikTok, I love it. Uh, but but Tom, no, we, I mean, so, sometimes you gotta you gotta eat. You know, sometimes you got to eat a something that doesn't taste so hot, good. Some hot brown, but not the good kind. Um. <laughs> All uh, right, Tommy. Well, I was worried we wouldn't be able to fill up the time, but you and I, obviously, we've been friends for a while now. Three years at least. You've been cooking at Twisted for three years? Uh, four and a half. Four. Oh, and I've known you since you started, so... It's been a real pleasure knowing you, and it's real easy to talk to you about food and stuff. We didn't get to the where'd you eat segment, that, but that's fine with me. I've been eating a lot at home lately, which is boring to talk about because I eat the same thing all the time when I eat at home. Uh, but, Tom, this was really fun. Thanks for being on with me today. Stu, I appreciate you having me, man. Let's uh, let's do this again, yeah? All right. I'll see you next Monday. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots in the country. And although we think of Asheville as Food City USA, right now thousands of our neighbors are currently experiencing not enough. But you can help. Mana Food Bank has been serving the Western North Carolina area for over 40 years with much needed food support. And with Mana, just $1 can provide four meals. Learn more at manafoodbank.org. Yes, y'all, please give to manafoodbank.org. I know that not everybody is able to give during this quote-unquote giving season, but if you can, please consider Mana Food Bank. They do great things. For every dollar that you donate to Mana, they can um, provide four meals to somebody. It's incredible. They do magic with dollar bills. I'm not sure how. Anyways, uh, it is the Christmas season still, and I want to just cover a couple more things. Uh, Y'all, we have just one more week of TV. Uh, we got one more radio show, and then it's Christmas. Um, and so I'll try to do a little bit more Christmas for everybody in the meantime. Uh, first of all, I have been taking pictures of the Christmas trees of downtown Asheville. And be sure to walk around and check out all the giant Christmas trees inside and outside in downtown Asheville. There's a nice one on the 
corner in front of the wedge brewery and the grove arcade there's a big one huge one inside of the strange and ever liminal space that is the atrium of the haywood park hotel right in the middle of downtown that one's maybe the biggest one in downtown uh the grove arcade has all their crazy flocked fake christmas trees and i don't mean fake in a pejorative way they just ain't real i love them they're beautiful and uh let's see uh spicer green the jewelers spicer and green maybe the jeweler place has a tree out front and they're of their place and i'm looking here and there and everywhere there's one at the uh grove uh, i already said that um at the s and w is what i was going to say and i'm sure i haven't even found all of them yet but I, uh, I've been posting them to my private Facebook page, but I'll, maybe I'll make them public. Uh, anyways, look for them yourselves. It's like a fun game of hiding. Of, uh, it's a fun game to play in downtown Nashville is to find all the Christmas trees downtown. Uh, and also, I did a little more Christmas shopping. I love to shop. And I went to Spice Walla in the Grove Arcade. And that store, if you got friends and family that like to cook, Go to Spice Wallet. They got some gift sets and some cool stuff. And I'm telling you what, it is one of the most beautifully decorated spaces in all of Asheville. And they do have a little tree. Uh, it's a little fake tree. Um, maybe I should say artificial. Maybe that sounds a little better than fake. Um, little artificial tree. It's white with orange garland. And uh, it's quite beautiful and in keeping with um, the design of Spice Wallow, which of course is a an Indian design, an East Indian design, if you must, and uh, the tree is decorated with all the all the ornaments are little boxes of the Spice Wallow spices, and so go there to do some Christmas shopping if you have friends and family that enjoy cooking, and, and um, this holiday season, also treat yourself to a meal at karate if you can dawn and i popped into karate and i know that sounds like a fairy tale we popped into karate you need a reservation like two months ago well during the day and some uh certain days of the week they're open during the day you can look in the window and if there are seats at the bar you can ask the host if you can sit at the bar and if the seats are of abes there you are you're in the bar and it's uh it's awesome and we ate there. We got this. We like this uh, pan con tomat, I think it's called. It's bread with tomatoes. They just rub tomatoes on some toasted bread. And then we always get it with the manchego. And then there's some uh, delicious olive oil in the mix. And um, then we also got the daily special. And it might be the weekly special or the monthly special. So try to go ahead and get the head on prawn and uh they were just covered in like garlic and oil and they were fan freaking tastic they were just like amazing and the karate is still great what can i tell you folks uh if, if you're a fan of karate stand up stand proud be loud online give them your love take pictures when you're in there i know that everybody thinks of them as the golden children of the Asheville food scene they've won a james beard award they win all kinds of accolades. Chef Katie Button has a TV show and stuff. But uh, don't forget that it is one of our local restaurants. And they need the support of the locals as much as any other restaurant. They don't want to just cater to tourism. They want 
locals to come down and enjoy their food. So uh, get on in if you can. Make your reservation. It might take two months to get in with a reservation. Or when you're walking around, if you're a downtown fan like I am, when you're walking around, just look in the window and go in and sit down. And uh, just to round out my Christmas shopping tips for this week, uh, get get yourself into the bakeries. Holy moly, there's some cute stuff going on in the bakeries in and around town. Like, I'm mostly downtown, but really, any bakery, anywhere. West End Bakery in West Asheville, Owl Bakery in North Asheville, Mother Bakery on the South Slope. I, well, actually, I'm not sure that Mother and Owl are doing anything super cute for Christmas. They're very artisanal, so they might be like, yeah, we don't make tacky Christmas stuff. I like Christmas stuff, but whatever. Just the ones the ones I've seen and I can recommend are Old Europe downtown has these box sets that you can buy of delicious cookies and such. Uh little gingerbread people, uh little macarons, stuff like that, meringues cookies la di da in a cute little box makes a great gift if somebody gave me a box of cookies from old europe i would not be upset about that in the least that would make me very super happy also mary's mountain cookies uh which is a little known little cookie shop in the first floor of the ac hotel downtown they have some super cute christmas shapes and such that they're doing their sugar cookies in and they have some seasonal flavors that i like very much including a caramel apple pie cookie that has pieces of dried apple in it that you might get at the bulk section of the hippie store you know baked right in the cookie with some caramel it's fantastic so mary's mountain cookies and yesterday i popped into sweets and seats and i had i just had cap uh cappuccino but in the case were some of the cutest Christmas things I've ever seen, including a macaron Christmas tree. So it had a macaron on the bottom that was maybe about four inches across, three inches across, I'd say. And then another one that was like uh, two and a half and then one. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm terrible at knowing the sizes of things. But there was a stack of descending sizes culminating in a tiny one on top that looked like a Christmas tree and they were green and they were decorated with little sprinkles and fantastically cute, just like outrageously cute. So that's just three of the tips, but really get into all of the bakeries, even the artisanal ones and see what they're doing special for the holidays. It may not be shaped like a snowman at or a Santa Claus or whatever at the artisanal ones, but it might be a special this time of year only stolen or I don't know, cardamom bun or something. I don't know. Just guessing what's out there, but definitely treat yourself to these things out there. Go to karate, go to the bakeries, buy gifts for people, buy gift certificates for people. Oh my God. Gift certificates to restaurants. Is there anything better? And now I'm starting to sound like a huckster salesman with a pitch. So let's take a little break. Listen to a little bit of my theme song, Cheese Wagon by the punk rock band, the Dorita Sisters. Look them up online and uh, then I'll come back and I'll say goodbye. All righty, folks, I hope you enjoyed that long 
segment with Chef Tom LaFauci. I sure did re- enjoy recording it. I, I recorded it a few days ago, and it was a lot of fun. I love Tom. And we'll have him back on for uh, uh, part two of his trial period uh, to see if he can. The, my number one concern is still, does he have the time to commit? Will he be able to do it every week at the same time? I can, and I, for the most part, I do. And so we'll see if Tommy can. And folks, I just want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world. They take my humble podcast and turn it into a radio broadcast. And I think that's pretty cool. And please follow me on social media. I am Stu Helm, food fan. That's S-T-U-H-E-L-M-F-O-O-D-F-A-N, food fan, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Substack, and TikTok. Follow me on TikTok. I've been doing more posts to TikTok. And while I do get, like, uh, TikTok tells me I get, like, 250 views. One of my recent videos got 800 views. That one was about politics more than anything. Uh, but most of my posts are about food or downtown Asheville, or they might just be about anything. One time I heard a weird noise outside my house and I investigated. Um, so anyways, follow me on social media. And thanks to Tom for coming on and being so great. And folks, if you eat something good, let me know about it. Bye.